0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the One More Jump podcast by Rize Povalt. Before we get started today, I wanted to talk about something that was mentioned at the end of today's podcast. Um, I try to stay away from personal stuff as much as possible. I think generally the overwhelming majority of people who listen to this podcast are not listening to it to hear about my stuff, but they're more listening to it to hear about the guests and their experiences and so on and so forth. This is a little bit of a different type of announcement, though, Um, and it is that I have decided to resign from my teaching job. I am no longer going to be a teacher and I am going to go full time into growing and developing Rise Pole Vault, the company. And the reason behind that is we have big plans for the future. And a lot of these things are not going to be able to be accomplished with me trying to balance being a dad and being a teacher and being in coaching and and creating new ideas and creating content. Just all the stuff that I try to do day in and day out. I found that our mission statement uh, was going to be able to be more likely to be able to be accomplished if I was going into it full time. Um, and our mission statement has always been to provide complete and effective pole vaulting instruction, services, and experiences of the highest quality. Um, so an experiences, how that would pertain to you is more like content, um, you know, this podcast, uh, YouTube content, Instagram content, things that we think we could provide value in a wide variety of different areas, but we got to have time to do it. And, um, yeah, so we're just going in and we have got an awesome team right now put together and we're just going to go at any and everything pole vaulting basically. (laughs) going to be a lot of fun a lot of hard work we got some big things planned for the future so if you want to follow along with that you can always follow our instagram it's at rise pole vault and then you can always uh visit our website as well and you know both of those things are going to be growing in the future which is going to be pretty fun so our website is www.risepolevault.com okay so getting into today's episode we have katie najat reigning olympic Uh, gold medalist and then her good friend Holly Bradshaw who is the bronze medalist at the Tokyo Olympics it was really really cool I had reached out to Katie I didn't want to bother her like right after her gold medal because I knew she was getting dragged around in all different types of directions and um, I saw that firsthand at Reno and she was like well Holly's coming in town so why don't we just both get on the podcast and I was like yep no problem uh, yeah. And if, if that happens, you just kind of drop everything and and be ready to rock. Um, but I kind of did rush around a little bit to get ready for this podcast. Cause it kind of happened a, sort of last minute. And I did one thing that every podcaster, uh, fears. And that is after 30 minutes of incredible content about the Olympics, about all of these different things. Um, Realized that I had not pressed the record button. So big fail on that one. So that content was incredible. And it's somewhere out there in the universe now. Uh, But anyway, I don't know. I don't think there's any way that you can recover that since you didn't press record, Jake. Anyway, I've, uh, yeah, we were able to regroup and have a really, really awesome episode afterwards. Um, And I just appreciate Katie and Holly being uh understanding with my you know new to this thing we're only 25 episodes in so it is what it is you live you learn okay so hope you enjoy this episode with two amazing ladies holly bradshaw and katie manshaw At the end of the day, it's my fault. So anyway, (laughs) we're just going to just pretend like that never happened and we are going to start with um first (laughs) of all the what happened. We'll just explain to everybody what happened. We were recording and it (laughs) was not recording. Well,
1: we weren't recording. Yeah, we
0: weren't recording. So anyway, I'm very frazzled and very (laughs) uh frustrated right now. (laughs) But we can just wipe it and we can just be like you know what it happens so it's bound to happen sometime in my podcasting career we'll have better we'll have
1: better answers this time so yeah
0: (laughs) hey you know while we're while we're kind of taking this uh break do you want to like set your phone somewhere or something so you don't have to hold it the whole time yeah
1: I don't know how I'm gonna do that well we're only really
2: doing audio aren't we so you could like prop it there yeah
0: yeah if I can just see your faces it would just help but uh I was like man Katie's not gonna have a good workout if she uh has to hold (laughs) has to hold his phone for the entire time okay so we're back in business. All right. So uh Holly, if you don't mind just explaining why you're back, why you're in the States right now.
2: Yeah. So um she loves me so much. <laughs> <laughs> I think also like it was kind of like Katie said it yesterday, it was kind of like Katie, I'm coming to visit, by the way. You don't have an option. No, <laughs> so right. I think off the back of like such an intense year and such an intense five years with COVID, where I'm the kind of athlete who no stone unturned I go to bed at this time I do this I eat this whatever I've been very strict and I've not chosen to like go on with warm weather training I've not chosen to to do anything fun um for the last kind of however many years all throwing everything at the Olympics and after the Olympics um after having a bit of kind of not like mental issues but having a bit of like a lull I kind of reached out to Kate and was like, look, I, I really want to come to the States. I want to do a training camp for the whole month. Um, just be in the sun, you know, in the, the UK, it was snowing the other day. So it's, it's not fun to be there. Um, so I was like, can I come hang out with you, train with you for 10 days? And then I'll kind of head over to Florida to do a more formal kind of training camp for three weeks. And yeah, just it went from there.
0: And uh, yeah, because I live in Chicago, so it's just crazy how right now we I work with a bunch of of kids pole vaulters, and uh, it's just wild how it's like yeah, it's outdoor season, and then I look outside and it's like it's snowing nice. and sleeting. Yeah. Well, you're from Ohio, so you're I'm from Ohio. Yeah, I
1: have pictures of my coach sweeping snow off the runway before I jumped. So
0: <laughs> I know, right? It's it's nuts. Um, okay, so we can <laughs> we can uh, kind of hop back to what happened after the olympics and just kind of holly had described it as the olympic blues is that that's like a real like thing that is this yeah. like common
2: yeah so it's like an actual thing like the post olympic blues and i've done a paper on it which has been published um about the post olympic blues and athletes <laughs> you're so accomplished <laughs> and, hold um,
0: on it, it's like published like on the internet
2: yeah so it's like
0: we should link the, to that uh can we like link to it in the bio yeah on this nice yeah right.
2: there's like um I'll, I'll like send i'll send it to katie and then she can send it over it's it got published in 2021 and we were working on it for a couple of years me and two other authors um and yeah it was into me interviewing tons of um olympic athletes asking you know how they felt how was their journey and whatever and it transpired that pretty much every single athlete I spoke to suffered with some form of post Olympic blues, whether that was someone was depressed for four years and that's like the extreme case. Um, but yeah, there was a variety of, and like on a scale, like a spectrum of, you know, anger, confusion, frustration, depression. And I kind of did feel like that after um, Rio, you know, I'd finished fifth and I was really happy with that because I had been plagued with injuries that year. So it's kind of bounced back and come fifth. I was stoked And the response that I got from that was just, oh, next time, oh, you didn't win a a medal, you're a failure, kind of. I was so deflated off the back of that. And I, you know, suffered with just feeling really down. But then after Tokyo, complete different kind of, I had like the biggest success I could ever have imagined and felt really down, like a massive lull, didn't know what to do with myself, kind of. I, I look back on January and I actually feel like I was suffering with like a form of depression. I was just really upset kind of I would watch a tv show for an hour and I ha- hadn't watched it I was just coasting through it and I was like wow I just was not in focus and yeah looking back on that it was I was really struggling and kind of needed help but was just the you know typical athlete you just you know whatever I'm tired I'm gonna plow through and luckily I'm out the other side and have my motivation back but it was that post-limit blues is definitely a real thing and I've one of the co-authors before we did the research was like, what have Olympians got to be upset about? They've just been to the biggest thing of their life. God, like kind right. of grow up. <laughs> talking to athletes it is a real thing and it deserves like the kind of exposure
1: that it's getting now.
0: So what, Oh, sorry, Katie, were you going to say something?
1: No, it's just there, you know, we put so much into this one event. I mean, really all of track and field, all of athletics is, the olympics it's going to the olympics and that's and then when you're there what did you do at the olympics and so when that's over i think there's at the minimum this period of okay what now and and how do i get motivated for the next thing and <clears throat> this year in particular indoor worlds normally wouldn't happen immediately after so i i went on this amazing Tour, if you will, I got to do so many incredible things. And then in January, I was, I crashed I, mentally, emotionally. I was just burnt out the way I am in the fall because even though physically I got away from it mentally, I never stopped talking about it, which don't get me wrong, it's amazing because it's reliving the best day ever for me up until this point. And so I, I've, I love that. And I don't even feel like, like as I'm talking to somebody, it doesn't feel exhausting because it's fun. But then it's when I'm done, I realize how tired I am. And then I would go to practice and just had no ounce of energy for motivation to jump because with pole vault, you can't just go 50%. You have to have this intensity of hundred percent every time you come down the runway. And so it requires a different level of motivation than just getting to the track and running sprints, nothing against running sprints. They're hard, but you know, you can do that whether you feel super motivated or not. And pole vault getting off the ground requires a motivation that I just didn't have for a while. And so that's where my struggle. And I, I think it was Paul Burgess used the term Olympic hangover to (laughs) to Brad. He was talking about it. And I thought that was perfect because for me, yes, I did have, I was sad because vaulting wasn't going well, but it was, it was more of, I just, when you're hungover, you don't want to do anything. And that was kind of how it, that was a really perfect description for, for me. So yeah. Yeah.
2: Like that's kind of same with me. Like I would, I'm normally like quite proactive and like go to the supermarket and buy, you know, do all the kind of tasks that you do as a person. But I just was like, not motivated to do that. Like Paul, my husband, would be like, so what? Because I'm the cooker of the family. He's like, what's for tea? And I'm like, uh, I didn't go to the shops. And he's like, what's going on with you? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't want to go to the shops, okay? I like, <laughs> just want to like lie on the sofa.
1: Just want to take advil and drink Pedialyte.
0: <laughs> drink Pedialyte. <laughs> um, so what was like kind of like did your paper where you're able to kind of come to maybe like kind of the root cause of this situation?
2: Yeah. So a lot of it was, um, athletes felt like they, especially in the UK, I can't, um, attest like any other country, but in the UK, um, it's very much athletes feel like products and they're like, um, this kind of celebritization. So, leading into the Olympics, it's what can we do to help from the national governing bodies? You're a medal contender. We're going to throw everything at you. And then from like the media, it's oh my God, look at these athletes so special. Then it's all the way through the Olympics. And as it stops, it's like nothing, nothing like everything stops. It's mm. no support. Nobody cares. Everyone moves on. And athletes are, are kind of felt like, oh, were not that important especially the thing that stuck out from the national governing body is there was no support afterwards um athletes were just like left to fend for themselves and and i mean it's it's hard because a lot of the physios the nutritionists sse coaches whatever they want to have a break now they want to go on holiday but athletes are left just feeling lost and alone and um a lot of athletes said they they wanted the support so for us the three of us, we've approached the national governing body, which is Team GB and the BOA. And we said, athletes want this support. They want it to be delivered by peers. Can, are you open to putting something in place to help these athletes not suffer from the blues or even just like reduce them? And we're kind of going through that process now.
0: I can remember whenever I was vaulting and and Holly, I, I was just like a... Uh, uh, B standard uh type pole vaulter that was trying to get to where you guys are at. But, you know, I, I, inve- I invested everything I had into it. Like my whole life was, was put into it. And I just remember we always called it the dark side of the pole vaulting world. And that was like, you're sometimes feel excluded from the club, if you're not performing every single weekend, like it's like people have such amnesia about what you can do. Like, and I think that what you were talking about right there is just like, in the moment, it's like, we want to talk to Holly, we want to talk to Katie, we wanna interview them and we wanna do this and we wanna do that. But then it's like, okay, where are you guys at like two months down the road, two months later? You know, yeah. like where are you at? Like, God forbid, knock on wood, where are you at whenever I like no height at a meet? You know, like <laughs> where, like are they still going to love and care for you and and have this same stuff, or are they just going to kick you to the curb? And Damn. uh that's where me as a as a vaulter, it was so hard, especially like an aspiring vaulter. Actually a lot of people who listen to this podcast are people who were in my position. They're trying to they're after college and they're trying to make it onto that, you know, that next level. Yeah. And it was so discouraging because there's people and I won't mention their names that mm-hmm. both of you guys know that, <laughs> that yeah that i would be like i would just like beg them to get into a meet and if i was hot yeah come on in hey man yeah we'll give you some yeah some, you know travel money we'll give you this and we'll get mm-hmm. hey come over here bud and like get you know yeah and then if i, I did do Felix? very well it would be <laughs> like yeah we're not going to yeah. answer a text message we're not yeah. going to answer the phone you know
2: Yeah, I I think like, yeah, you're so right. And what I like promote to kids in the UK is sport is so fickle. And when you're on, people are like round you like flies. Whereas when you're having like a bad few months or a bad year, they don't want to know. So that's why I promote. It's so important to be doing sport for the right reasons. Like you need to do it because you absolutely love it. And I'm pretty sure when everyone picks up the poll for the first time and those first few months, you're, you're not thinking about I want to be an Olympic gold medalist, I want it's to win loads of money. Fun. It's I absolutely freaking love this. And it's like an addiction. Paul Vault is an addiction. And for me, I do it because I absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. Like the search for that feeling of like throwing that perfect jump on the pole is what I crave. And that just makes me happy. And if, if some if a meet organizer doesn't want me in their meet, I don't care because that doesn't affect how I feel when I do a good jump. And I think for kids. Just do not set your goals as I want to do this, I wanna jump this high, I wanna win money. It needs to the the soul like it's fine to have those as goals, but the sole purpose of why you do it is because you absolutely love it and you just can't lose sight of that. Yeah. But
0: don't you lose sight of that a little bit when you're in your position?
2: Yeah. A little bit. Uh, Yeah, I I, I have and I have in the past, mm -hmm. but I don't anymore because I know how I felt when I lost sight of it. And when the pressure was so immense and everyone said, oh, she's an indoor specialist or she'll never make it. She was a child. Yeah,
1: like it's indoor
0: specialist. Hey, I actually was an indoor specialist. I
1: I was for a while too. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but I think you learn
2: that actually all those people can just go away and like, I don't even I don't care what they think. I'm doing it because I love it and that's all that matters. Once you have that mindset, you very rarely deviate so far away from it that you lose it and yeah, I think
1: it's it's hard to find it but once you do you like mentally at peace. I will say for me, I think especially this indoor season I just I was and I I was saying this earlier but I I've always been a little afraid of the pole vault. It always it's always created a lot of anxiety for me, um, just ever since college and, and Brad, the combination of what Brad gave me with the urgency of the Olympics was the perfect combination to get off the ground every time. And so without that urgency, I really struggled. And so because of that, it just, I started, I, I, found myself like kind of hating pole vault a little bit this preseason just because it was so daunting and it was so big. It was such a mountain of a thing for me. And so, yeah, sometimes I, it was to the point where getting off the ground was more of a relief than fun. And that wasn't fun. But what I would find is in a meet, it was still fun to clear bars, no matter how high they were. So it's like, that's still there. And I'm still, I, I, I'm confident that this will fully pass. I already feel way better after world champs. Um, I felt so much more like myself, but I remember I just, I had a horrible practice and I was just a mess. And I was texting my fiance and he was like, trying to be super supportive. Like, you know, you'll get it back. It'll be fine. And I just said to him, right now, I need you to say it's okay if it doesn't come back. Like, I need you to tell me it's okay. If I never bull vault again, will you still love me? Like kind of thing. And I, I know he will, but he's like, of course he's like, but I don't think this is like the end for you. And, and obviously I'm very appreciative of that, but it's just, I think for me, just knowing that if I never do anything else, I'm still going to be accepted. And I have a wonderful support system. My family has always made it clear. They don't care how I do. They just want me to do well for me, but hearing that it's okay. If it's, if it's the end for me is, is comforting. And that all also allowed me to just help me kind of come through it as well.
2: Yeah.
0: Do you ever, think, uh, Oh, go ahead.
1: I'm oh, sorry.
2: I was going to say, I think like you saying that as like, sparked that in me that I think that's what helped me came come out as well like Scott my coach said if you you know if you want to retire and and you want to quit now like that's absolutely fine like you have no pressure to carry on and it was the same from like my family and my husband like it it's okay like if this never comes back or you feel like this for however long yeah I think just hearing like people say that and be supportive and I think a lot like I'm sure Katie feels the same but I like Katie is for me she's not just a pole vaulter she's a person that I really get on with like and I think we want to be I don't want to be defined as like Holly the pole vaulter like I before pole vault I was a person and sometimes when you are in the spotlight people forget that there is other things to you other than I'm just really good at pole vault and as people we just want to hear that and know that kind of that's there
0: yep we are recording and we did record that so (laughs) that that, that was that was really uh pretty awesome um so does whenever you guys are like because I think a, a one of the issues it's not an issue but one of the things that comes to my mind is the time of your life too like if you were like 20 or like 22 right now, then that might be a little bit different too. So like, how does like your age and like your wanting to forward your personal life, like affect, you know, this whole process as well?
1: Yeah, I think that is part of where my struggle comes in is I have been after this goal for so long. And so when that's the case and you achieve it, I think my my body is almost like, okay, we did it like we're done. you I did what you asked me to do. I will notice that I get sore in the middle of a competition now I feel so old and I feel like my body was just hanging on for dear life, giving me everything it could and now it's like, no, we did this like what are you doing? um so yeah, I yeah, I I would say that definitely you feel yeah Yeah.
2: I kind of like had the same I think it's all gone downhill since I turned 30 so I turned 30 on the 2nd of November (laughs) and since then like my wrist hurts my shoulder hurts I tore my labrum in my other shoulder my back (laughs) hurts
1: I turned 30 in June like in the middle of the year and then at the games you know my quad is like about to blow up like
2: (laughs) I think it's like just getting that balance right but I think we have so much experience that um it, it kind of if we were 2022 20, I don't know it just we, it I don't think it would mean as much to us like especially not to me like I've fought for this for so long it's not come easy yeah. I've had to absolutely graft mm-hmm. and as like when I look back it's been super hard but I've learned so much along the journey I'm a totally different person to who I was when I was 20 yeah and I almost like respect myself more for what I've gone through and still kind of like be off the adversity and just kind of come through that and Achieved something. And I think we're both, you know, we're both 30 now. And my mind has turned a little bit more to I want to have a family. I want to, you know, my husband's been amazing. We've been together for the last 12, pretty much the whole of my career, 12 years. And we've been married for almost eight. And we want to settle down. We want to have a family. He's put so much on hold for me to pursue this relentless dream of winning an Olympic medal. And I've kind of done that. So after the Olympics, it was okay, well, should we now? have that next goal of having a family and you know we're in no rush but we we made the decision that we it's a team effort. When I say we people get a bit like oh it's you out there it's not we but no it's we. Yeah it is definitely it is all
1: we. There's no me on that runway
2: without the team. Yeah and I think it's like only respectful that it's a decision we both make and if he if I wanted to carry on and he really didn't want to, I would totally
1: respect that but yeah. that kind of would never happen. Yeah. Right. And that's, I, I've been living at a distance from Hugo. Um, He lives in Florida and I'm in Atlanta. So it's a five hour drive. And he's just, he chose a job, a good job within driving distance of where I was and he has been so supportive. And so he's the one pushing me to go through, gosh, 2028. 20, I'm like, no, stop it. Like, no, yeah, he's like, a long way. going because he's genuinely a fan of the sport. And so it's, but I do find myself getting excited for just being with him full time and moving on to the next thing. But I also know there are things in this sport that I still want to accomplish. I, I got to attempt the world record a couple of times and I, I would love more chances at it and mm-hmm. the American record. And, you know, I, I want the chance to defend my title, but for, for a little bit there, I just, it's funny because Brad always, and this is always the question people ask, would you rather break the world record or win an Olympic gold medal? And I never really knew the answer to that question until I won the gold medal and crashed so hard. And it was like, oh, this was kind of the forefront. And it's not that I'm not motivated to also break the world record, but I think it just, it was a different kind of motivation. And now- like having that deep seated, true motivation. That was the Olympics. Like you can't fake that. And not that I'm faking motivation for the world record, but it just takes time for that to shift. It just takes Trey Hardy. Actually gave the perfect analogy. He was like, your, your motivation is like a big balloon and after the games, it just deflated. It didn't pop. It just like deflated. And the pump that you had before isn't working. It's, right. and so you have to go find a new pump to blow it up. And so it just takes time for that motivation to switch and become real because there's a big difference between real and fake motivation. And it's, and so that's where this, the quick switch to indoor worlds and you have to like immediately ramp back up and, or oh, are you excited to break the world record? It's like, Yeah, but let me breathe for a minute. (laughs) Like,
0: yeah, I feel like you guys got really. You know, just because of all the COVID stuff, uh and the rearranging of when the games were, it was just like boom, straight back under the chopping block, just like, here we go, here we go, here we go. Like no time, no time to rest. And and we were talking earlier, Katie, about um how you just looked like you look great, but like just fried at Reno. You know, like yes. you were just like I just could tell like in your eyes, like I was just like, dude, she's fried. Like she, <laughs> she's she's had he- gone through so much stuff because you know, it was like overnight, you just become like this celebrity and, and then you're getting pulled in all these different directions and everything. Um, I did want to bounce back to something I was thinking about earlier with your guys's careers and just, um, how does, how does the pressure, how is the pressure with you guys having your personal lives and, and monetary things, tied to your pole vaulting because holly was talking about how it's like well you know i have this this motivation to um just pole vault just because i love to pole vault but i feel like it probably would change once once you throw money into anything you know it's Mm -hmm. like all right well is this my i don't know if it's like your pure livelihood um but some pole vaulters this is their only source of income so it's like they have to have a different relationship with it you know Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, it is my only source of income, but I am um, have always studied alongside because I know that I, as soon as I finish pole vault, and I'm going to work to earn money so I can live. Um, I don't know in in the UK. I don't know what it's like in the US, but being a female pole vaulter, um, you aren't thrown loads of money. Like I've I've had a very long career, and that's why I've been able to buy a couple of couple of investment properties. And yeah, we we're going to be okay. Um, after but I'm still going to have to work to be able to like feed and raise my family um but for me it it is my only source of income but it's not why I do it it's it's almost for me luckily it is a byproduct and I think um I just having money as a motivation has never been it's not something that drives me I'm from like um the north of England which is very working class very um, you know, we don't, I don't come from money and it just has been something that has never been imparted on me. And um, I am lucky that I can survive through Paul Vault in, But for me, the love of it outweighs um, the thought of of money for, for me personally. Yeah. So
0: did it, but did it like, whenever you started getting paid uh, for it, was there a transition process where like where you were like, you know what, that meat, I was purely you know, I need to readjust my motivation here because I went to that meet and made these decisions based off of trying to collect a check or something.
2: Um, no, because the, I, I'm really lucky that my coach, he doesn't keep me grounded. I don't need to be kept grounded, but we have a no, um, and we basically choose meets on performance. So we go to meets to get the, cause it fits in the calendar. It fits with, um, what my body can tolerate. I won't overcompete um because I know my body can't deal with that even if there is like money offered there um we kind of have this agreement that that that's why we're both in it and you know it is tempting sometimes to be like oh I want to compete three times in a week because it's fun but also I can make some good money but he's like that's not you know that's not why we do it think of the potential for injuries and things like that and because I have been riddled with injuries for five years of my career as soon as he says I'll think of the injury risk. It's not even on my mind. It's like, Oh yeah, that's a dumb decision and I'm not going to make it. And I think he helps keep me grounded and, and not make me, you know, go make dumb decisions.
0: Right. Right. What about you, Katie? Whenever yeah. money came into the equation, did that uh, change things?
1: Um, n- Initially. So when I got my first contract, it was after 2018 indoor worlds or indoor nationals when I jumped six you know, over 16, 490 for the first time. And I think for me, it was just more exciting. Like it, it just validated what I had been doing. And I, for so long had been kind of living off my mom and paying her back and the prize money that I got. And, and so to be able to be independent financially, that actually was, it was a huge relief and just like, okay, I am, good enough I like I can keep doing this and and then obviously the Olympics has changed things a little bit even more and there have definitely been times where like for example Diamond League final last year it's no secret that I just like shut down and emotionally mentally physically like I had nothing left and I I've never run through all three attempts at a meet ever even in my worst mental block so I just knew that I had nothing left and there was a meet after that offered a lot of money and i just brad and i just kind of looked at each other he's like you're done like and so it's it was it would have been tempting to go and even no hide and collect half of it but it just it wasn't worth how i was feeling i i just needed to be done and so yeah there i mean don't get me wrong I, and this is where holly and i differ i i like my fun toys like I've, i i yeah. like purses and things like that so like in some respects it is fun to be like oh I won I won that this meet like cool um but that's again and I will say when I was struggling this indoor season contractual obligations did help me to keep going because that was something where it's like no this is my job like which I hate looking at it as a job but in some ways it was like no this is a job like you have a responsibility right now, it'll come back. But like you right now, just try like in meets, I would just look at it as, okay, make this jump as technically good as possible. You don't need to muster up a lot of adrenaline. You don't need to muster up a lot of motivation. Just come down, try to execute this as flawlessly as you can. And so in some ways it, in a weird way, kind of grounded me because it it made it very matter of fact. And I can make mountains out of molehills and just make things way bigger than they are. So in some ways that really, it it helps, but yeah, I look, money's a factor. That's not a question. I, and it, it it's setting me up for the future. If nothing else, like these next few years is where I can, you know, save money. Cause I, as much as I like shopping, I I do save money and it will allow me to, have a cushion i can't live off it forever but it'll allow me to have a cushion and allow us to have a cushion and figure out what i want to do next which i am thinking about but it just then it doesn't force me to have to move into something immediately so
2: and like it's going to cost a bit to like fly back to the uk
1: right you know, me, i need to say i need to hear <laughs> Well, if you go, are living in England, so it'll just be the drives up. to <laughs>
0: <Yay>! <laughs> Well, and that's, uh, that there is something that I think about is a lot of people would be like, uh, you know, like why, like whenever I went through this in my head, like, Hey, you know, like, what if I won an Olympic gold medal or mm-hmm. whatever? what if I accomplish those goals that I wanted to accomplish? Like, it's so easy for people to just say, Oh yeah, if I ever win an Olympic gold or I ever win an Olympic medal, I'm just done. You know, like, I'm. and done. that's
1: how my body felt. I think too, is when you accomplish something really awesome, you then usually whatever it is kind of move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and there are, it's like but oh, I yeah, think you
0: I think you want to I don't I don't know if this is the right word, but you want to do the parade the next year, you know? Like it's like you want yeah. to go like you worked so hard mm-hmm. for this this accomplishment. And then like now it's like Holly's gonna be able to go into a meet next year. It's like hey, Holly Bradshaw, Olympic bronze medalist. Like and yeah. so you can you can feel that too. So it's easy. It's easy to be like, Oh dude, just quit. Just quit after you win an Olympic medal. Like just quit Mm -hmm. and just be done. And it's like, well, I want to like be able to like kind of bask in the glory a little bit of, of this accomplishment. And then the next year you can go and you can, you can, and probably too. The other thing is you probably have so many more opportunities now that you have that metal those metals yes like people are probably throwing meats at you and like you can basically kind of pick where you want to go yeah i feel like
1: yeah yeah there's a window where you do want to take advantage of that because Mm -hmm. you want to one get yourself out there image wise like for outside opportunities there is part that is part of it i mean we don't make millions. Like <laughs> that's not a secret, you know, we're not NFL players. We're not NBA players. So in, to some degree, we do have to take advantage of the financial opportunities like meets that, you know, give a, a big appearance for you or, you know, there, there are some things like that and, and marketing ourselves on social media, even which sound. I mean, that that's just part of it for sure. Um, so you do kind of want to take advantage of the parade, like mm-hmm. you said, but,
2: And I feel like it's tired. (laughs) It's not just when you're like when pole vault or sport is a part of you truly, and you're not just like me and Katie aren't just doing it to we're not just doing it to make money and then quit or oh I want to I want to collect that medal and then I'm done. We actually love the sport. Yeah. So then if you do, even if you do achieve something that's so big it's not just easy to be like, oh, I'm going to quit now because I've done it. Like it's part of you and that's a massive decision to make. And yeah. It's not a, a one that's just so easy.
1: Yeah, I've done it since I was 12 and I'm 30. So, I mean, this is over half of my life. And so, yes, like, how do you just stop? Because I don't... It's
0: gonna, yeah, it's a very crazy thing. I remember whenever so I like, retired, it, it was just like, it wouldn't come out of my mouth. Yeah. Like I was like, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm,
1: uh. Uh, I, I <laughs> like could not say it. Yeah. I could
0: yeah. not say I am done pole vaulting.
1: Yeah. And, and
0: I, the day me, I did, it I'm, was really nice, but
1: yeah. yeah. Well, and I know when I'm done, I will be all done. I'm not going to dabble in it. I'm not going to like say I retire and come mm-hmm. back. I. Well, again pole vault you, you heard it here stressful. hey
0: we'll see we'll yeah, see, <laughs> well, I guess we'll see but, like
1: pole vault like has been so emotionally and mentally hard for me and it seems like every year I go through some variation of what I went through this preseason of just like mentally struggling kind of hating it and then I start competing and then I find it again and it's just kind of this unhealthy cycle and in a weird way, pole vault's always been so fun for me, the competition aspect, but pole vault like practicing has never been fun for me. It's always, it's always been work and that's what I love about it. I have to face that challenge every single day, but it is exhausting. And so I, I just, I don't see myself like coming in and out. Like I'll still be involved with pole vault, but I don't see, like I don't, I won't be a master's pole vault or oh, like.
2: Oh, yeah, you can't like, my husband was an 800 meter runner and now runs 10Ks, 5Ks, whatever. You can't just, oh, I'm going to pull vault once a week in a competition. Well, okay, you'll be jumping like 250 then because you can't just come in and vault
1: you have to maintain a certain level
2: of speed, a certain level of strength. And I'm not going to be about that. Yeah. Like,
1: And I think too, when you reach, and Brad has said this too, when you reach a level that we've reached to come in and know I'll never PR, like mm. the, it's, it's kind of hard to like know that, I like you're I've done. Not... I wouldn't feel satisfied coming in and just jumping. Yeah, like a three fifty well, like, or something. Like just as I get older and and I'm starting to go down, it just I'm not gonna put if in I... the ab workout. <laughs> to
0: to
1: I'm not gonna be able to invert. So it's gonna feel crap. Yeah, I, I respect <clears throat> Masters pole vaulters immensely because like of that. It like the sport is so hard to do unless you just purely love it. And I will have gotten everything out of it that I could. Well,
0: when you say masters pole vaulters, like, so I don't, I would go so far to say that there are probably not that many masters pole vaulters that are like not continuing to progress. Like maybe they jumped like 11 feet in high school and then they jumped eleven six in college. And then now they are like still continuing to jump, but they're jumping like relatively close to what yeah, their best is. Yeah. I will tell you firsthand, like about a year ago, I was, I quit running. Well, I didn't quit. I just was like, I'm done running ultra marathons. I, I did a hundred mile ultra marathon and it was just ridiculously hard. Amazing. And and I, <laughs> I was like, I got to be done with this. And then I was like, you know what? I'm in, still in pretty good shape. I'm going to start jumping again. And yeah, it is miserable <laughs> being a small fraction of what you once were. <laughs> like, it it is like everyone was like, dude, you're doing great. You're jumping like 15 feet from a short approach. and And I was like, this is miserable. I was like, I I used to, I used to be cut up. I used to be strong. I used to be fast. I used to be able to jump high and get on big poles. And I was like, this is, this is not fun for me at all. You know, and it's
1: hard when you see yourself in like top physical shape and in top physical form and technical form to then see yourself decline. And I think that that's where people have a hard time knowing when to, when to retire because Mm. for a while it's like, no, I can still, I'm still there. I can still like, if I just do this, if I just do this and then time works against you, but to, yeah, I, I, for me, I really, I mean, never say never, but I I see it being a very finite thing Mm. it's done. And so that's a big (laughs) like that, that's it's going to be huge, like to, yeah. to stop. And I won't be, like I said, I will not be away from the sport. I like the idea of coaching. You know, I like the idea of still being involved in the sport, mm-hmm. but actually doing it myself, probably not.
0: I, I would say like looking back on, on it, whenever I was done, it seemed like I was like, "Well, I want to have kids and I want to I want to have a house and I want to have a family and all of these things." And like looking back on it, I'm like, "Man, that's a very very small window of your life that you have the opportunity to be in elite shape." You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And me Bert, as an outsider looking in, just I would just not give that up too quickly. Like because yeah that is a very special thing that you guys have like to be able to run as fast as you guys can and to be able to be as strong as you guys are and like in as good a shape as you guys are like it's it you know think about like other like the overwhelming majority of 30 year old women out there how much they would just kill to be able (laughs) to do what you guys do so I just like if i you know were to give any advice just like don't give it up too quickly cuz i was okay. i was at the water park this this uh past weekend <laughs> with my kids the indoor no. water park and like your goals after pole vaulting change like yeah. cuz i was like literally i was like leading up into that water park trip i was like i want to be the best the most fit dude at the water park. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I, was, I was like how yeah. ridiculous has You're my right life gotten
1: <laughs> probably not too far off but <laughs> yeah well
0: I realized that it's not that hard to be the most fit one at the water park man holy yeah. cow it was not good <laughs> anyway um so Holly I just had a quick question for you really quick um so you train train out of Loftboro? Loftboro, yeah okay and does steve ripon still coach there
2: no No, he's in finland
0: finland now okay got you do they still have that downhill runway there
2: no (laughs) we got rid of it thankfully i used to hate that
0: (laughs) did you jump on it and stuff
2: no well i did a couple of times but i absolutely hated it like it just changed the takeoff angle so much and like i know why people jump on it is because they jump high but i'm like it's so it's like full vault. It's so, it's so
1: different. <laughs> Have you so, jumped on one too, Katie? So it wasn't a downhill runway, but in high school, the coach would set up a raised runway, but the box and the pit were flat, mm-hmm. and so you were a foot off the ground, so you could get on your full approach poles from four lefts, and it right. was it. So in that sense, yes, it was very fun. But then even after like one or two practices on it, you'd go back down to a flat runway and you'd feel so far away because obviously you're much closer and it just, you don't have the extra height and it just, it, it feels really weird. So like doing it like once every so often was good, but he started doing it a lot more. And then Mm -hmm. from what I hear, it's that's almost only what they do. And, and so it just, it's hard to, you just can't change the event that much like it's it t- It makes it an entirely yeah I, you can work on your top end you can on these poles and that yeah the, sure that's great but for me it was all the the bigger issue is always my takeoff and you can't really work on that when you're changing what the takeoff is yeah so we we have that in Loughborough and a lot of
2: the, <laughs> a lot of the guys use
1: the rays run into
2: the low box because you basically can pop your grip up by 20 centimeters yep. and use your full approach pole from short but that they use it um to have a because they might not be able to have the confidence to use their bigger poles in comp whereas i don't really struggle with that and the raise run changes the takeoff angle for me like i basically have no bend and then i can't i like lose the swing so i will never jump on the raise run yeah
0: yeah i feel like I mean it's an interesting concept. I mean those things are so expensive too. I don't know if the <laughs> cost would be <laughs> yeah. it, you know uh, but I feel like you could get and I'm not a big proponent of this um I'll use it every once in a while um with certain cases but I feel like you yeah. could kind of get the same type of deal by tapping someone. <clears throat> you know like it's kind yeah. of like a similar yeah. thing but at least whenever it's, it's- you're tapping someone all the like the you know uh spatial awareness is the same yes you know
1: i would agree with that and i think too especially with a downhill runway your running mechanics change Mm -hmm. because you're now either leaning back a little bit to to balance or you're really far forward because you're just your turnover i I know it's such a short amount of space but that's just when you run downhill it is so different from how you're running on a flat surface and so that changes it too um and again like it's fun to throw in like don't get me wrong like it would be i'd be it'd be fun to try it but it it would change things it change it's not what our sport is um, I, I feel it's like,
0: like it's almost ahead, like
1: for me it's
2: like a band-aid for like a problem and we jump a lot from like four steps six steps eight steps to like work on the jump with no speed because that way you, you're having to jump well but with no speed so when I mean, you go back to full approach maybe it's a bit easier so we use tools like that but yeah if if you're not mentally strong enough to take poles in a competition then maybe that just needs a little bit of work rather than making you know covering the band-aid up by oh we'll put you on the race so you can feel the pole a bit
0: yeah. And I feel, like I said, I think the risk versus reward on that is a little mm-hmm. bit off, you know, because yeah. if you're talking about somebody who has problems mm-hmm. getting on these types of polls, like they're probably a little bit mental. Like, yeah. so then, so then you put them in some sort of mm-hmm. weird, like ultra weird scenario, the potential of them developing like severe run-through issues, I feel yeah. like would probably be increased.
1: And also when you don't feel that fast, like the raise, the downhill runway is going to make you feel really fast. You're always going to want to take, like, you're not always going to feel like that coming into a takeoff. And so if you can just be on a smaller pole and, and hit a takeoff, no matter how you're feeling that day, like, even if it's on the tiniest pole in your bag, like that, that will do so much more for your confidence and for your jump than getting on that downhill runway or raised runway you know look I, I not hating on anyone that uses them or just implements it as like a fun little like training tool but yeah it just it would change it it's not something that I would want to do very often at all it would be like once every so often kind of thing
0: those ones in particular are like an extreme downhill runway too. Like I could see maybe yeah. like a two percent or like three yeah. percent grade. Like maybe that would be and interesting. some people
1: do that. Like, like, like for training, they just they just have the slightest downhill or like the box is slightly deep. Something for training purposes. Some people put like a little like thing at takeoff to right. get like that. I can I can understand, but it just seems like the other ones are really changing what. The sport is. And that's where it's like, oh, I don't know. Right. Creating some bigger problems long term by using this mm-hmm. often.
0: Absolutely. Um, Holly, I wanted to ask you, you started vaulting when you were relatively like kind of older didn't mm-hmm. you like 16, yeah. 17 years old or something.
2: <clears throat> yes. Yeah, so I basically did gymnastics for like the first 10 years of my life, then played football for five, years then got into athletics but I did like hurdles so I was a relatively good hurdler at like kind of I was never representing my country but I would like represent my county at like the big comps and then got into pole vaulting when I was like it was October 2008 I started training and I'd been doing it for like a year but I would just rock up to the comp with one pole I didn't have any training. I just got over the opening bar and got maximum points for my club. <laughs> but then I started training in October 2018. So I was like 16, about to turn 17.
0: Yeah, I think that's important to uh, to hear because I, at our gym, we have a lot of, not a lot, but a good number of kids that come in, especially girls who are have retired from gymnastics and they're like, well, I'm a senior. I don't have enough time, you know, and the seniors like 17, 18 years old mm-hmm. yep. and, uh, in high school. And it's like, no, no, you do. Like if, if you, if you're a good athlete and you're relatively mm-hmm. quick and you, and you can learn things, uh, pretty well, you know, you can, you can do this. And
1: I mean, I Jen <laughs> learned in college after here, right, right. mm-hmm. so
0: exactly yeah so it's it's never too late and i think that a lot of there are a lot of people that think they're like uh well i missed the learning curve for that so i can't really get into it or whatnot so you can become a a bronze medalist in (laughs) in the olympic games
1: (laughs) that's right that's right true
0: (laughs) so going back to when you know like you guys are you guys are 30 both you guys are 30 yeah. Okay. So how are you guys maintaining your condition? Because normal 30 year olds do not, you know, are not able to maintain the type of condition that you guys are into. And I I guess I'm more thinking about the nutrition aspect of, uh, how you guys do do that.
2: Um, for me, it's like, I don't really take a lot of supplements if any. Um, I'm like, I struggled with an injury at the minute over the last couple of months so I've, I am taking supplements but it's really like basic it's nothing is like off the table so uh, it's, a, it's a, a balanced diet but for me like I might do okay I'm going to do a month of eating clean then I'll have a day where I can have like chocolate crisp whatever so I am quite strict in that that regard um and in terms of like my kind of day if I'm training 10 to 1 I'll have Carbs, protein in the morning, and then carbs, protein at lunch. And then say I've got the afternoon to do nothing. I might have like a, a super low carb meal in the evening, and it just kind of works like that. But I just try and like load my plate with veg and meat, and then just have a small amount of like pasta, rice, potatoes, bread. But I don't like cut cheese out. I don't like, I'm not gluten free or cut like bread or anything like that. It's just everything in moderation.
0: Gotcha. And has that changed as you've gotten older?
2: Um, no, not really. Um, I know a lot of people say, like, as you get older, it's really hard to lose weight, but I found it's like the other way around. When I was, I'm not, I don't like people who blame their genes. And, and I'm sorry, mum and dad, I'm not blaming you, but <laughs> my family are on the other <laughs> side, so I have to be super careful. And I had a lot of abuse as a young athlete on the way I looked. And you know, I didn't look like Isambayeva in a lineup, and I didn't look like Anna Rogoska in a lineup when I was like. Nineteen twenty, um and a lot of people did abuse me for that and i think it's been a, a long process of me of like slowly uh, leaning up and like becoming more athletic because I'm, I'm not someone who i'm not going to starve myself i'm not going to create an eating disorder it was very slow and very sustainable i've already talked about that but for me i, I could not eat or barely eat anything for six months and i would be ripped but that's that's not the way I want to do it I want to maintain a healthy kind of lifestyle that's sustainable
0: right there's that word sustainable again I think that's like huge huge huge, is being able to put something together that you are going to be able to Mm -hmm. continue to do day in and day out because I've and so many people go through different fad diets and things like that and Mm -hmm. and they just I'm myself included I and then it just ends up blowing up just yeah.
1: Like, I yeah. think we live in a society just as a whole of wanting things immediately, immediate mm-hmm. results, immediate gratification. And so nutrition, health, diet, those are things that you can't do that, you should not do that. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, it's it's hard to, to you know, figure out how to do it long term and you know, people just get frustrated and then you know, cheat quote unquote. But like for me admittedly I am not as strict as her. I I don't enjoy cooking and so I eat out a lot and I try to make sure it's relatively good foods but it's still, you know, not as good as if I were cooking and so I am noticing my body isn't leaning out the same way that it has in the past and don't get me wrong like I I'm fine like I'm strong I'm healthy I'm fit but like I don't look like how I did at Olympics and that's fine. Like I I'm still like, I'm jumping high and jumping high from short approach. And so, but it's just recognizing, okay, I'm probably going to have to start being a bit better about cooking more myself and, and just, just being a little bit stricter. I hate that word strict because it just sounds so depriving of things, (laughs) but but with what we do, you know, anything that doesn't help you hurts you. And that's just, that's the truth of it. So you just have to make sure that for me, the numbers that I really care about are more of how are my numbers in the weight room? What poles am I getting on and how high am I jumping? And, and right now those are all good. So aesthetically I may feel just a little bit, I don't know, softer if you will, but Mm. like, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, okay, I'll just I'll wear the onesie, and that'll, and then I'll feel fine, you know. So, it's, Mm-mm. it's coming to a point where, because I, I struggled with body image issues, and I've, I've, definitely, there was a time where I was not eating enough because I thought looking a certain way would equal results, and I was very under nourished, and, mm. <laughs> and I was very lean. I was very skinny. I was too lean. Um, I was probably a good twenty five pounds lighter than i am wow. now and even at the olympics i was probably 10 i was probably 10 to 15 pounds lighter than i was even there just at off of food poisoning i was too lean there and so it just that's i was just so fixated on that and just had it very warped as to my motivation was okay i want to look good in this outfit and i'll jump high as a result because everybody has abs and so if i like make sure that I have abs, then that will equal results. And that's just not what it was. So again, kind of like it take, it took a while to kind of figure out what worked for me and I still follow that, but yeah, admittedly I'm a little more laid back, but at the same time I love to eat. I love to go out to dinner. I love to, I it's, I'm a big foodie. And so I, will recognize where I need to be a bit stricter, but then yeah, like enjoy myself on the weekends, for example, and like go out and have good food and have a good time. And because I will go crazy and I did go crazy when I was too strict. So,
0: right. Uh, this is something that I struggled with too, was, uh, what, what role does the scale play? in your training and, and things like that. We
1: just talked about this yesterday.
0: (laughs) For real? (laughs) She brought
1: a scale and put it in my bathroom, but to each their own. Like I, like I said, I only hop on the scale when Brad is like, Hey, what are your numbers right now? Like you look a little too lean or, you know, then, because right. he's a big advocate for just making sure you're not under fueling with how much volume we
0: have. And, but, and how, how often do you, would you say that is like once a month? Yeah, for
1: whatever. him, it's more of like, if we've been training hard for a while, and I'm looking a little too lean. So I would say even once every couple months, like it's not very often. He's not right. big, he's, which is great, because he is somebody that's such an advocate for just fueling eating more than less and making sure that you have energy and, and good food in your system to sustain the workouts because you get injured otherwise. So, um, but I, I mean, we have a very different approach in that sense. Um, and it is important to know what you weigh. Don't get me wrong. It is, it is, he asks because he's genuinely curious. Okay. What, what do you weigh now? Just so that he has a better idea of Okay, when you're jumping this well and looking like this,
0: yeah, at right. the number,
1: so it's good for him to gauge, so that down the road, if I'm struggling or I'm too lean or you know I'm getting a little too soft, he can kind of
0: like help with that. Right. But Holly, what about you?
1: Yeah, so
2: I weigh in every morning, and that's like a choice for me. It's not something that's like imposed on me by anyone. Um, but I find that it like keeps me accountable. Um. I have to be really disciplined and I have to be really strict and I've like kind of figured out what works for me but yeah being on the scales and knowing what I weigh and seeing like the progress and just being held accountable is important to me um but yeah it's challenging like there's times where I'm going through a big hypertrophy block I eat the minute and you see the weight go on and for me it doesn't there's no um there's no shortcut you have to be and I'm not promoting this as like a thing but this is what I have to do I have to be in calorie deficit um to lose any weight and that's kind of something that I have to do for four to six weeks to kind of strip down some weight and to get there's like a a range for me and it's I only work in kilos and it's 66.5 to 67.5 is my competition range so I've experimented being lighter and that didn't work um and being heavier for me just means that I'm I'm not blessed with Katie's raw speed. Uh, I have to work <laughs> on that. And if I'm a little, carrying a little bit too much weight, that really affects my speed development. Um, so I definitely need to kind of be in that range for comp. But I operate. I'm always kind of in a cycle where I have an off season. I put on I put on weight. I put on fat. I lose muscle. So then when I come into training, I'm too heavy. I lose the weight, but then I put the weight back on because I'm gaining it in the gym. And when you weigh in every day, seeing those fluctuations is mentally challenging, but I've managed to like kind of balance it and get over my insecurities as I've got older. And yeah, it's just kind of a constant battle that I face, I guess.
0: Do you ever think that, um, and this is just something that I, I suggest for people that I work with is, uh, do you ever think about not weighing in on meat days? Um, just because it's like you're gonna jump anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, like so it's yeah, like is what it is. It, it, you're you're gonna jump anyway. And it's like if you hop on and you're like half a pound over, you know maybe that might have just like a tiny bit of an effect like where it's like oh man i'm a half pound over what the heck you know where it's like oh man i could have just completely knocked that out if i i don't know it's just an idea that i've i've thought about that i i suggest i work with my brother uh who's a post-collegiate pole vaulter and i was like and we wear an aura an aura ring i don't know if you've yeah. ever heard of that um, yeah
2: I, I do wear that's... one too
0: Yeah. So I always tell my brother, like I I have on his chart, like he's like, you know, he's got to, he needs to put in his weight every once in a while, kind of like how Brad does. But those aura ring numbers, um, he does, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but then Friday, Saturday, no aura ring numbers. I don't want him looking at them because we're going to pole vault anyway. Mm -hmm. But if you wake up and you look at that aura ring and it's like, Oh, I only got like a little bit of deep sleep last night. I must, you know, be tired today. It's like, it could play into, Uh, you know, that day of vaulting.
2: I think it's like each to their own. And like, I think it's with everything. Like we talked about motivation and I'm big, I'm intrinsically motivated and I promote that. But if someone needs to be motivated by jumping high or doing this, then that's, there's no right or wrong answers. And again, here, like, I think that is a really good suggestion. And I think I've, I, um, I go through like waves, and like sometimes I'll be so down with what my weight is. Scott, my coach will be like, "Don't weigh in for the next month," right. and I won't. So I think it's like just adapting on your feet and just kind of whatever works for you. But yeah, on a meet day, I'll generally weigh in because I'm so stable by that, and like I'm not going to fluctuate any. Any, I'm not going to suddenly be two kg over, and I'm like, oh right, my god, I'm right. because I'm so heavy or whatever. <laughs> and it's the same with the aura ring; like I kind of detach from it. And oh, okay, the aura ring says I've not had a great night's sleep. Kind of whatever it is, what it is. And I think, yeah, you, I think almost like being in touch with that and knowing and then just doing it anyway. Like the World Cup back in 2018, me and Katie did it. I felt so bad leading into that. Me, I had my husband you throw, did? Me, throw me pick and mix. He threw me pick and mix over the barrier because I was so flat and I jumped amazing. Yeah, and she for, beat me. And for me, it's <laughs> like, oh. and for me, it was like, it doesn't like i can
1: still jump well even though i feel rubbish and that's yeah. good to
2: know like that's good feel like confidence
1: also too, just just having the knowledge of okay like i didn't get as much sleep this is why i feel bad but we can overcome it for me when i understand why something is happening that allows me to
0: yeah that's yeah, a good feel point. better
1: yeah um but again i don't i don't i just, if i don't weigh in regularly i certainly don't weigh in on meet days i'm like that is what it is we're going to just
0: right. Go.
1: Um, right
0: and i think i think a mature pole vaulter a mature athlete is able to just be like oh whatever <clears throat> you know, yeah. like, you know, that, that means this, Trust. or that means this, like, it's not a big deal, but I would, I could see how like a younger, you know, 20 mm-hmm. something would just be like, oh my gosh, it's, <laughs> you know, it's the Olympic final and my aura ring numbers are bad. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh no, you know? Yeah. So I could see, yeah. I could see, you know, both ways or whatever. So, well,
1: I think it's cool. Cause we, yeah, we obviously, we have different body types. We have different vault styles we have different ways of approaching our training and our nutrition and it it works for both of us so it just it goes to show like there's so many different ways that you can that you can jump high you just you it's trial and error you have to find what works for you I know if I weighed myself every day I would become hyper focused on it to a point where it was not healthy because I was at that point I just become so hyper fixated on it and it would ruin my mood and it would ruin my motivation like it would just so that's why I tend to stay away from it and just kind of go with a more general overview rather than the the day-to-day I guess that uh, I, I don't know how you want to call yeah. it but fixated kind of
0: style. I, I remember. I think that it was you and I who had talked on the last time you were on the podcast about uh, tracking macros. About how mm. about how crazy. I don't know if that was you, but you know, probably tracking... not because
1: I don't even know what macros are. People talk about them, and I'm like. <laughs> okay, that's right. <where>. Like mac-
0: <laughs> macronutrients like fat, protein, yeah. carbohydrate. So, mm-hmm. I I know there's a lot of athletes that that track those things and yeah. you can become severely addicted to calorie counting and macro mm-hmm. tracking and things And
1: like I that. was fixated on calorie counting. I didn't know macros at the time. I still don't really understand them. Um but I was so fixated on how many calories I was taking in and which in some respects was good because now i understand just how much a meal is just kind of looking eyeballing right. it which is good for me because i tend to overeat like i i'm definitely an overeater so just getting that knowledge yeah. was good but it was not a good time for me because i was so fixated on my next meal and how i would limit calories um so yeah i i know how i get and i have kind of an addictive, like hyper focused, like personality. Sure. It, can, and, it can mess
0: with your other relationships too. I remember like being yes. out to eat with my wife and just being like, she's like, are you really going to track your calories? Like, it's like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Like you're really going to put your back rows in for this meal that, you know, I like, couldn't
1: talk about anything else. I was so mm. annoying because it would just, I would just talk about food all the time because I was, I couldn't stop thinking about it and, and just, <laughs> fixating on how I was going to not overeat like it was crazy so
0: right what about you Holly do you track any of your things or no
2: no um, I'm like similar to Katie I just have um I've never calorie counted but I just have um familiarized myself with the calories in things so then now I like look at a meal and I'll be able to like assess like Mm. roughly how many calories it is and then you just work it out I kind of like would just work it out in my head, but I'm not like, I, I don't like track it all like out, put it in, I just kind of eyeball it.
0: Sustainable. Just yeah. <laughs> she <is pretty> sustainable. <laughs> um, all right. I've never asked anybody about this, but I remember, um, you know, traveling around on, you know, kind of the US uh, pole vaulting circuit, if you will, did different beach vaults and street vaults and things like that. And I remember that there was you know, oftentimes a really big, uh, party scene afterwards. And, (laughs) and there was a lot of, uh, alcohol consumption and things like that. And, uh, while we're on the topic of nutrition, I just am (laughs) curious what the role of alcohol plays in your guys' life. If you don't, if you don't want to talk about it, it's no big deal, but
2: I, I don't really drink at all. Like I will have the, I mean, there was a couple of years back. I didn't drink for like five years, But um, I will on the odd occasion, I can get peer pressured into like the odd night out at the end of a season. Like after the Commonwealth Games in 2018, I got I like succumbed to the peer pressure (laughs) and went out on a night out with like Adam Jamili, KJT and Paws. So it will occasionally happen, but I will not. I I don't drink like um, weekly or have like a glass of wine here or there. It's like a night out with my athletics mates or not.
1: I was never able to peer pressure pressure her. But after the Olympics, she messaged me as like, I just want to drink with you after the season's over. And and we did. Like, after Sarah, it so great. I will say I've heard stories of how crazy the circuit was back in the day. And it's just not quite like that anymore. I don't know why, but because there are times where we definitely can have fun. But I think it's like at the Diamond Leagues, you're just so tired at the end. And you're like, I just want to go to bed. Um, yeah. I don't but, know
2: whether we just don't see that yeah maybe lot. it happens we you're like, just, just like in the nerds. corner playing full
1: games yeah like sports. we're just like the nerdy like
0: <laughs> right i <laughs> think
1: splendor like
0: <laughs> when i was no, coming fun. up uh when i was coming up and trying to make it like i remember being at reno and them sitting us down in that room and giving us this pep talk and and they were like i forget who said it somebody one of the uh you know, leaders of the group or whatever was like, a lot of you guys are just here for the party afterwards. You're not even trying to get good mm. at the pole vault. Like, and he was like, and that's why yeah, I remember he was like, that's why you all suck. Oh! <laughs> like, I was like, oh, well, they're
1: still saying that people <laughs> suck. Cause that, that pretty much came out of their mouth this year too. I but I, what's funny is I think the U S street vaults, like there is a lot more fun after those, mm-hmm. I just haven't been to a lot in a while because a lot of times they just conflict with, with the bigger meets. Um, but so I think the US scene is a, is just more fun. Um, yeah. But, and also I don't know about you, but I've seen Taken, I don't want to go mm-hmm. out in the middle of the mm-hmm. night in Europe, like <laughs> drinking by myself or with one other person. So I, yeah, I think sometimes the meets will like have a, a fun Thing for yeah. us after with covid obviously that that went away because i think after the olympics there would have been a big after party mm-hmm. i think you know after worlds there was the big after party so it can definitely get fun but it's i am somebody that drinks maybe i don't know once a couple times a month if that like it'll be like after a long week of like good practices i'll have a glass of wine or two mm-hmm. um but then sometimes it's just nice to, you know, like with my teammates, just go out and have fun and and drink a few drinks and, you know, dance or whatever. (laughs) And it doesn't happen. It's all about moderation. And so if I know something big is coming up, I either won't drink at all or just very, very little, it'll be like wine. Um, But, you know, I think sanity is key. And so if like having fun and, and doing that every so often is not hindering you, then as long as you're 21, kids. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Well, and I think that that enables you to be much more, uh, is it really 18? No, for real? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's next level. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's crazy.
1: That's why she doesn't drink. She's like, I've been doing it since I was a baby.
0: Right. Right. Well, it makes you, it makes it easier for you to be more diligent about your nutrition too. Like if you're going out and you're like, you end up at, you know, two in the morning at McDonald's or something like you're, you're not likely to, you know, do something like that if you're not, you know, getting messed up all the time. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So anyway, um, I, Holly's never answered this question. So I just wanted to ask this question. You know, I know we're, we're getting here, uh, to the, to the end. We do this like kind of segment where it's like, you get, you have to choose three exercises that you would. Exclusively use for the rest of your career. Um, but you could only use these exercises. You can pull vault as much as you want, but everything mm-hmm. else you have to like break it down. Like it's got to be a specific lift or like a specific sprint or something like that. So okay. what do you got?
2: Um, so the first thing would be a like fly in 20. So like a 30 meter roll in with like a 20 minute, 20 meter, um, like balls out sprint um but with the overspeed pulley like i have in the uk so basically i'm stood 50 meters from the pulley and um we set it at a speed so it might be like i'm gonna have you run at 9.5 meters per second it's gonna pull you at 7 kg and then i start running and it just rips me and then i just run at that speed and that has been like really useful in like trying i basically i'm running faster than i can on my own and it just helps me then get faster so it would definitely be that
0: is that is that a product
1: yeah, it's called Dynaspeed. In college, we didn't have that, but my coach would put me on a bungee cord and pull me. <laughs> and it worked. I I PB'd at conferences in the 100 the next week. So it just like, because your legs don't know how to move faster until they have to.
0: Yeah. Right. I think, right. Yeah,
2: like, we're just like a little bit more data-driven.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or you just have more <laughs> funding. A, a more
0: <laughs> so you literally can set that. Mm-hmm add a specific uh yes. like weight that it's gonna pull. Yeah.
2: So like we'll start. Wow. Um we'll start and I, I might do like the first session. So like every Monday on the first Monday I'll set it at like nine meters per second and it'll pull me at like seven kg and then the next one it might be like nine point three meters per second but it'll only pull pull me at like four kg. So I'm having to do more of the work. Wow. So it's yeah awesome
0: can you do it the opposite way? Can it can you yeah. tow as well? Yeah how how far this is i love these type of things so <laughs> h- how far can you go with it
2: so it cuts out at 80 meters so like 80 you, eight zero? yeah so you could probably only get pulled for like 70 meters at a push because obviously then you the wire will like cut out
0: whoa that's <laughs> Is probably way too expensive. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's why we had a bungee cord at Dayton. <laughs> right,
0: right, right. Okay, so that one's really cool. Fly in twenties with the dyna speed. speed.
2: Yeah. Um. Then it would definitely be a clean. Um. Like I'm really big Olympic lifting, but yeah, clean. I think it's amazing for like all over strength, but also like speed power. Um. Mm. So it'd be that. And then I think the third one would be like probably like a bubka. Um.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: I d- yeah i don't know whether it like i don't know whether yes. it, we, call it so it well, yeah, we call them boopies, uh, yeah yeah so yeah a booker
0: um when you are say clean are you going from the floor or? so i
2: go 10 centimeter blocks i never lift from the floor or hang because i've had big uh, back issues in the past
0: oh 10 centimeter blocks okay mm-hmm. okay and then four inches
1: ones. for those u.s what? non right. metric people, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then boopkas. So boopkas are very. Are you talking about uh, static boopkas where you're not swinging to it, where yeah. you're just going up and down? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Do you guys ever? I was talking with Hussein about about this. Uh, do you guys ever overload those? Like, yeah, absolutely. put weights yeah, on. And
2: stuff? Yeah, we've done it with bands, and we've done it with like ankle weights.
0: Yeah, I got. Mm-hmm. There's a product called Monkey Feet um and it's like you you strap it on your foot and then like you clip into a dumbbell like on the bottom of your foot wow no yeah. thanks and, don't
1: uh, don't get brad on this podcast and yeah tell
0: me. well i already told hussein about it so uh, no <laughs> well because you can will
1: definitely snitch you can uh.
0: overload it like crazy with those no
1: yes.
2: and we do like <laughs> we do like standard we do like somewhere between six and ten reps but then every so often he'll throw like scott will throw in like max reps and we just have to like bang out as many as we can in like one sitting so yeah we and then we overload them and then he would like make us do them faster so you can really like Diversify it.
0: Right, right. And how many reps, like, if you were to max out on something like that, like, with so no weight? I,
2: I did 31. <laughs> yeah. Like, 31. Are you all the way down to your toes? Yeah. You are good. No, you, honestly, you would like, <laughs> what you heck? would, it's easier than you think because, yeah, I would be like, I would do like reps of, like, sets of like 10s. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm going to do like 12. But honestly, you can go for ages. <laughs> Seriously. I can't.
0: Well, go yeah, off. I don't know what you're talking about. The yet, bar?
1: But... Are you using a bar that has like an insert? No. oh Gosh, no. I go down to like my shins, and I'm like, that's good. I can't. But, but honestly, <laughs> like, it's been like I couldn't do like one like yeah. eight years ago. They're yeah. hard. The and a lot of it too is just figuring out the balance of it. Like windshield I mean, wipe. It took yeah. me a long time just to figure out how to like balance myself and almost like relax rather than like muscling yourself there Um, so I think I slightly cheat in that (laughs) way I don't do it on a high bar
2: you know like the gymnastics p-bars the wood. oh so like the wooden ones they have like
1: a bounce in it yeah and and there's oh, space yeah. there to go down and up no, okay no 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 i do it with the bar i don't uh, go in the middle
0: <laughs> yeah i was i was thinking the same thing katie i was like oh, I was okay, like, oh that's, yeah, yeah, that's no I problem feel like, I, feel, yeah, I feel
2: like you could do hundreds. no <laughs> I, I go i go still with the bar there but because there's like giving it do you do like a mixed grip yeah. Yeah, yeah, the okay. flips.
1: Yeah, the pole ball grip. Yeah, yeah. I for... don't
0: think it's making that much of a difference. Where thirty-one is not an <laughs> yeah. insane number.
1: Thirty-one that's is insane.
0: crazy.
1: It's so strong, but there is a
0: timing Incredible. too. Like if you time the swing, yes. If you learn the timing, then you can knock them out for sure. So
2: this is exactly what I'm saying. It's like on the p-bars because there's this whip in the bar. You basically just like pop back, pop back like right yeah. yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I can
0: kind of see that. Yeah.
2: So, I, no. I reckon, like, I don't know. Like, have you got a high bar? Like, what yeah. to just do it? I reckon, <laughs> no. I reckon somewhere no. between 20 and 30 on like a normal bar.
0: Yeah, Katie, I, what are you coming in at? <laughs> <Two>. I would <laughs> no,
1: probably, I'm all sorry. the way down to my ankles, I could yeah, probably just down to your six. ankles. I right now can get to like my shins and go back up for like eight to 10. um But like, I, I, those are, I struggle with those, admittedly. I'm good at, I'm good at a lot of things, but there are certain exercises that like I, I do need to get better at. Like
0: <laughs> that's very encouraging though, I'm sure, to a lot of people because that is that that exercise in particular can be extremely discouraging when you it's first hard. are trying well, to do it.
1: Learn took it. me a long time to yeah, be able to do them down to yeah. my knees even. I mean, like when it's I tough.
2: when I jump 487, I cut and this isn't me exaggerating, I could not do one body weight chin up and i could not do a single booker wow back in like 2012 Hold when on. i jumped so
0: 87 like, you jumped 87 and you weren't able to do those yeah.
1: things i couldn't that's do almost 16 feet that is like 15 11 and change so it's so high <laughs> so you definitely
2: shouldn't get discouraged by doing that like it's no. definitely like an important part but there are so many different ways to skin a cat like yeah i think that's wow. the message yeah that's, seriously that's i'm insane. not
0: reacting
1: could not do a single chin up. that's
0: amazing that's they that really don't is really amazing. chin up
1: on the pole it's all it's all shoulder strength it's yeah like the closing cl- core shoulders mm-hmm.
0: right 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 um okay so i just can't get over the 31 yeah right okay that's amazing all right uh, yeah so last thing is what do you guys do outside of vaulting? Like what are you into outside of vaulting? If you just, you know, had a spare day that you didn't have anything to do or, or maybe some like passion projects or things like that that don't have anything to do with, with vaulting.
1: I truly on rest days lay on my couch as much as possible. I'm so lazy oh, when I'm allowed yeah. to be. Um, but I, I really enjoy, like I said, I enjoy like going out to eat, like dressing cute, going out, trying like a just getting a bunch of food to share with people. Like that kind of experience is really fun for me. Um, I'm very into fashion and beauty, skincare, that kind of stuff, stuff that's very un-pole vault and, but it kind of, yeah, it gives me an outlet and something to have fun with. And again, going out to eat the fashion side, you get to like dress up for the night and figure out what you're going to wear. So I'm very girly outside of, outside of pole vault, um.
0: So, right yeah, so do you like uh follow like any youtube people that you like watch like
1: my tiktok is all makeup and skincare i swear it's just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: so what are you watching like uh are you just like laying on the couch like staring at the ceiling or do you watch <laughs> watch <TV laughs> i watch <or? laughs> netflix
1: i do like a lot of true crime stuff i mean i just watched bridgerton and the bachelor so i i like my kind of girly shows but i also like game of thrones i like you know true true crime documentaries i i like it just kind of depends on what mood i'm in um mm-hmm. but yeah i can i really like suspense thrillers ones that That's aren't right. gross and gory but have a really good storyline and there's usually a twist at the end so
0: right 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 what about yeah. you
1: Holly? um I like also
2: sitting on the sofa watching Netflix um but I'm also studying so I'm doing a master's in sports um psychology um I'm currently just finishing my dissertation
1: for that which has been quite fun um I I am so unaccomplished (laughs) no you are so awesome
0: (laughs) What, what is your degree in Katie if you don't mind me asking like what did you go to school for
1: My degree is in psychology with a minor in fashion merchandising. So, oh, no uh,
0: way.
1: I, when I transferred in, I found out they had fashion programs. So, I just, it was too late to change my major. I added it as a minor, but I did do a study abroad in Paris during Paris Fashion Week at, they call it the Paris Fashion Institute. It was just a four week english-based intensive program where you basically create your own clothing line and you help dress the models at paris fashion week and you just learn about a lot of the designers and it was really cool that's
0: wild yeah Yeah. all right Uh, what were you saying
2: uh, yeah so i've got my master's i also like have a big passion in coffee so like going out to coffee making it i volunteered in a coffee shop for six months to learn how to like make really good coffee so that was fun Um, I also do a little bit of work I don't know whether you guys have Canva in the US
0: I love Canva yeah
2: I I have it's basically oh my gosh uh, it's
0: insane
2: yeah there's loads of like templates for like social media but also for like presentations and videos and whatever and then you can just get really creative with it so I work on Canva for a company who is basically a, um, a running company and they host 10ks marathons and I do like all their promo like videos and um, if they're like announcing a race i'll do like some graphic for them to announce on social media so i do that as well that's kind of like just flexible they'll just send me videos to create like here and there when i need it um but yeah right.
0: that's it that's awesome yeah canva is insane <laughs> oh uh, I I, I guess you're I, a
1: teacher right so well
0: actually this is my first time saying this, but uh I resigned. I Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. I well I'm I'm still teaching until the end of the year, but I put in okay. my letter of resignation and I'm wow. going to build a pole vaulting company. Any and everything to do with pole vaulting. I'm just going to continue to just put Good my whole you. life into it. And uh yeah. Make sure That's that I awesome. press record whenever I'm doing podcast, <laughs> <and> things, <laughs> things of that nature. But yeah, yeah, I actually, I resigned, but I do, um, I own, I own a pole vaulting gym. Uh, so we, you know, whenever we do our social media and stuff, it, that Canva is just, uh, it's unbelievable. It's almost like, it's, it's like drag and drop. Um, a lot of it's drag and drop. So you like, uh, almost like creating a, um, an Instagram story, you know, like you can, oh. you can drag graphics and, and it makes it much, it makes much easier easy. to design stuff. Yeah. yeah. And like Holly was saying, there's templates and, and things like that, that cool. make, yeah. make you, make you look. Well, I'm, I'm you are.
1: creating <laughs> my wedding website right now. So I totally understand.
0: <laughs> right. 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 That's exciting. When, it, when is that happening again?
1: Uh, New Year's Eve.
0: Oh my gosh. It's
1: New, Year's New Year's Eve wedding God. this year. So
0: that's awesome. Good for you. Yeah. Ladies, it has been a pleasure. I really, <laughs> really appreciate your time. Um, that was fun. I'm going to say it one more time. I'm really sorry about um,
1: Yeah.
0: So enjoy your time, Holly. Uh, I hope you have a great time. And then uh, Katie, it's been been swell and uh, <laughs> wishing you both the, uh, you know, the best this this season and uh hope all your dreams come true oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> all right um this is the one more jump podcast signing off